0: I'm going to convene the uh, City Council work session, Iowa City City Council work session for Tuesday, April the 17th. And the first item would be clarification of agenda items. I've got to open my own file to check this out. Go ahead, Pauline.
1: Uh, This is a question for Jeff, and I know uh, you and and Jim and I had talked about this, but I just had a question on 4D9, the senior center maintenance positions, and realigning them with the parks. Uh, I wasn't clear on then the salaries and from whose budget their salaries would Come from then, the senior center versus the parks.
2: D-9. Yeah, the um, no. the current salary, the pay plan uh, will be maintained. So, Thank you. Um, as they move from the senior center department to parks uh, government buildings, they're going to. Um, end up being? changing the title of their position, oh. but the pay plan will, the range that they're in will stay the same. So there won't be any changes in, in salary. Um, they'll, they'll maintain the same steps and, and uh, <coughs> salaries that we have at this, pl- at this time. Thank you. Yep.
3: The, uh, the budget that you adopted shows the positions in the senior center budget. Right. Um, I'm, we're not quite sure whether we'll formally amend the budget to show it out of Parks and Rec r- right away or if we'll we'll just wait and take care of that at the next budget cycle. Um, either way, they, the positions hit the general fund. So it's the same dollars paying for the position. The employees are being paid the same amount. They still have the as Ashley said, the same mm-hmm. steps in front of them.
0: I'd like to bring up item 5H which is uh, first consideration of the historic landmark designation for 319 East Bloomington. It used to be we could not discuss such things in a work session. Can we discuss them uh, now? We
2: can I think it's preferable to do it as a, as a formal when everybody is? Yeah,
0: I, I don't. I don't want to go into any detail about the substance. I just wanted to make a suggestion and see if the council wanted to do it. I'm inclined to open the public hearing, uh, but then hold the public hearing, ask for a motion to continue the hearing, and defer decision to our May 1st meeting. Uh, I'm inclined to do I, that. I if don't, you, Mayor. I huh? don't think you should be. Look, making...
2: oh, oh. I hear you about a public hearing. Yeah, you got to
0: you... use your mic, oh, please. I'm sorry.
2: I don't think you should be making decisions about what you're going okay. to do about All a public hearing until you hear the public hearing.
0: Okay, fair yeah. enough. Uh, it's a good thing somebody around here knows the law and all that. Hmm. <laughs> Keep this honest. Uh, any other agenda items you all want to talk is this about? Is
4: the right time I can talk about item 3, E4, and 5? Or this is not...
0: Uh, yeah, what... Can I ask that are,
4: question, No.
0: Well, sure. Uh, what, is this like
4: going to come for voting later or, or what we are doing here now?
0: The I don't know what those items are. Properties,
3: the properties, you are setting the public hearing for the university properties, so the actual vote will be at your May 1st meeting. You're just really, with this action, notifying the public that they will have an opportunity for a public hearing to talk about oh, it on This May is going to be
4: like agenda item that we can mm-hmm. talk right. publicly about it. Yeah, I guess. Well,
5: would, it, would, it, would it be on the actual agenda or would it be another consent item?
3: The university sale will be on the, on agenda. the agenda. Okay, yeah, because there's a there's a public hearing with it. Okay.
4: Oh well, yeah, that's great. Yeah, because I'm really would like to think careful seriously about the price and talk about it later.
0: Okay, so we'll do that at our um, yeah. at our next meeting. Any other agenda items? Three e
1: one the rezoning of the Prairie du Chien Road. Road. Um, I wondered where, if we have any information where they are with, um, like, the displacement of the residents, if we have any more information on that.
3: I, I do not uh, have any information right now on that. Um, that, again, is just setting the public hearing. So on May 1st, uh, as part of that public hearing, I think that's going to be an expected, um, well, the applicant's going to be expected to answer that. Oh, uh, hopefully, the applicant can. If not, you probably want to consider a deferral of that vote. Thank you. Yeah.
0: I had that down, too. All right. I'm guessing there are no more agenda items. So we'll turn to info packet discussion, April 5th packet. I want to mention IP number two which is an email uh, from me indicating that I have received quite a few emails asking me to join other mayors in signing the city's open internet pledge. I haven't counted them, but it seems to me I've gotten something like 50 of these from Iowa City residents. It's clearly a form uh, petition, but nonetheless they're coming specifically from Iowa City residents. So we've not we have not discussed this topic about having a, you know an open internet and we do not have an explicit policy about it so i'm hoping to get some advice from you folks about whether i should do as the petitioners request
1: <laughs> go ahead I I was going to bring this item up also because I uh, wondered exactly what it would mean for us as a city. I mean, we've already been labeled as the liberal Iowa City, terrible liberal Iowa City. I see it more as a progressive city that we um, uh, follow suit with progressive ideas. Um, And I would be in agreement with it if, if other folks on the council thought it was the right thing to do.
5: Proceed. I mean, this is something that um, uh, I've been interested in bringing up. I'm glad that there are other residents that um, felt necessary that this be something that we move forward on, um, and uh, I, and I think I'd only look to Eleanor to see what it would potentially require us to do, um, since we may not necessarily um, have certain things from a city that may be different, but I'd ultimately proceed. Yeah, I'm just.
2: I wondering. think the question is just simply if you want to give the may tell the mayor to
5: move. Yeah. Yeah,
0: a letter I would, yes. would be fine. Yep. All right, I hear yes. There'll be some happy people out there. That's good. So, uh, uh, if, I, if I could, I'm just flipping through this
3: because it's been a couple of weeks since I've looked at that. We should, we should probably report back to you on what the pledge actually says and what That's you're okay. committing to because it's not just an advocacy position. Um you know, it it does have a caveat to the extent permitted by law and within our control, then it lists, uh, I'm seeing six different tenants. Um, and and one is procure applicable internet services from companies that do not block throttle or provide paid prioritization of content on sites that cities run. Um, Ensure an open and internet connection with any free or subsidized service we offer. I think if you're interested in this, we probably need to dive into it a little deeper to what the constraints of law are, and what. Can we get the whole
6: pledge in the next packet? Because all I saw was the link, and I didn't have a chance. I didn't have a chance to go look at it. So
3: obviously, we're not a provider of that service. So. uh, and with some of these, uh, with some of these pledges, you're really pledging to do what you can with, the, uh, obviously within the constraints of law, to influence how private providers are providing their service. And it'd probably be helpful for you to know exactly what those constraints right. are. Yeah,
0: my recollection is I tried to make a, a PDF, a copy of the uh, of the pledge, and I couldn't do it the standard way I do such things. So I forgot not <laughs> figure out how to how to proceed and then got busy doing other things. Yeah, Jeff, I think that's a really good idea. So you know, if you could provide some feedback within a reasonable period of time, that'd be sure. very helpful. We can do that. All right. Uh, get rid of that. Um, yikes with all of this stuff.
6: Just IP7 reminder, the Community Police Review Board is on April 23rd.
0: Yep.
4: I just would like to talk about IB-5 mm-hmm.
1: uh,
4: for the affordable yeah. housing action plan update. Uh, I guess it's really good, but uh, I am just have some ideas that if we can add separate roles on the same tables that show the number of affordable renter units placed on service each year and also the update, uh, update for that for like three years and also initial rent and uh, on those units. And also, the number of the affordable owner occupant place in service each year. And the sale price, of course, and the units. I, don't know if, I, I guess Jeff also mentioned, uh, you know, you want to there to see the measurement and the outcome of those. And if we can add those to the table, it would be great.
5: Where, Jeff, where are we at? Oh, I didn't mean to cut you off.
4: No, so I just didn't quite even catch what Mazahir was
6: asking for. So I can't even I really, really respond because I didn't.
5: My first, where are we at with kind of bringing that back to have a kind of deeper discussion? Because I think that we discussed it during our strategic planning process mm-hmm. that we are going to come back and make some changes to.
3: Yeah, the, the refinement or... Um, um, reissuing of the Affordable Action Action Plan's part of your strategic plan, so that will be something we tackle in the next two-year period. Um, we'll just build on what we've started here. Uh, and performance metrics, council has requested that we develop some performance metrics, which is essentially what you're requesting, uh, Maza here. So we will develop those. Um, come back to you with what we think many of the items that you talked about, units created, um, under which, you know, how were those units created? Was it because of inclusionary zoning, direct investment? Was it federal dollars? Was it the affordable housing dollars? Was it through our investment in the trust fund? We'll try to lay all that out um, and then we can specify rental, owner-occupied period of of affordability. We'll try to provide as much of that um, uh, as we can. So that's that's in the works. Um I will say um the annex the annexation policy I previously reported to you that would be on the second meeting in April, the agenda there. Um we got tied up with the Forest View rezoning application and getting that out the door so that's delayed um one one meeting that should be in front of the, the P and Z that first meeting in, in May. So Yes to the performance metrics. We're working on it, and um, that's the one update from what we submitted here.
0: Yeah, so I think uh, they'll be providing what we want, yeah. yeah. I, I want to make one very small note about IP number five, uh, the same topic we were just discussing. The, and I just observed that the fourth element in Action 9 uh, it refers to um, um, keeping occupancy at three
5: unrelated. you know, So that that yeah. needs to be cleaned up. Needs to be updated. Yeah. Thank you. I would just make a comment as well. Cause I, I mean, I just want to thank staff for their work on this. I mean, I know that things come up, as you just mentioned, with the Forest View rezoning and some other things have come up over the course of you know, my time on council, which is fine. I'm just more focused on the fact that we are making um, steps on this effort and doing it in a way that I think is um, not necessarily clearly articulated, or I know that I haven't done a good job as far as clearly articulating um, the different steps we've taken. I think a lot of it's been focused primarily on the money that we've been able to um, apportion towards this effort. Um, But there are other steps that I think are addressing affordable housing in different and inclusive ways. so for the record, I just want to make sure that we, we state that, or I state that, at least. Yeah,
0: yeah. Good. Uh, I want to mention a couple topics, I guess. Uh, one is, where did it go? Um, IP number three, which is a post by, that John put into the packet. It's a post by Kate Benfield about uh, the healthiest neighborhoods of both Walkable and Green. I thought that was a pretty instructive article, and spot on, so thanks for putting it in
7: there, John. You bet I never I, get I, those type I, of kudos when I put a memo in the back <laughs> <laughs> um, i w- I was looking through it again after just you know the last day or two and, and one thing it said, which I, I don't think it registered in my first reading of it, was that people living in urban environments are at a higher risk of mental health issues, so uh, <laughs> In a sense, what what the the article is emphasizing is that that higher risk needs to be addressed by certain actions, uh, and that what has seemed to be effective in addressing those higher risks for stress and, and mental health related issues are walkability in nature, mm-hmm. and um, you know how that relates to Iowa City in particular, at least within the Iowa context, as I recall, Iowa City is one of the higher, has one of the higher, if not the highest density in the state of Iowa in terms of its you know, population per square mile. Uh, so we, we are an urbanized community, and that can be stressful. <laughs> you, know, um, you know, we've been talking most recently about the impacts of traffic, and just as one example. The noise, the pollution, uh, the, just the physical risks that are involved with that. But I, I was very pleased to see how some of these things that we've been talking about, you know, there's a lot of science supporting, you know, what, what we are trying to do. And I think the Climate Action Plan will just reinforce that. Yeah, I was pretty
0: impressed with the extent to which Benfield went through the science uh, related to these topics. Yeah.
1: I also like that article and want to thank you for including that because especially I said the natural features such as trees, gardens, parks, birds, water are associated with a higher level of mental well-being. And I I think that that's really important and we should never lose sight of the importance of our parks and our green space. And I think we should also always be cognizant of that when people are coming before us for uh, zoning change or approval of developments that, that we don't allow them to uh, do such things as like a fee-in-lieu of a green space, because the green space is important. Mm-hmm. And I think we've seen that now with the lack of the trees aren't even budding out yet. And I think uh, the seasonal affective disorder is really apparent with a lot of people, because it's just not green yet. And, and I think it does make a difference.
7: Get out the green spray paint at this point. I think.
1: Right, right, but but it also stressed that it's 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 more than just a plot of grass. Mm-hmm. That you need more than that.
7: Mm-hmm.
0: I Wonder if we could get seasonal affective disorder into our code somewhere. <laughs> right, <laughs> it's real. I'll tell yeah, you. it's real for it sure. Is, but uh, it is. you
1: know, let's get snow again. <laughs>
0: yeah, I want to mention IP number six also, which is a uh, letter from the the CRS coordinator, I don't know what CRS stands for, but CRS coordinator of FEMA's Federal Insurance and Mitigation Administration, congratulating Iowa City for uh, increasing to a Class 6 in the National Flood Insurance Program rating system, which is likely to result in lower flood insurance cost, if I understand correctly. That's a good thing. I think maybe city government and staff had something to do with that better rating, but... Yeah. Uh,
3: staff did. I certainly didn't. Um, Julie Tallman is the one that really spends a lot of time on this, and, and we're lucky to have her um, be able to really dive deep into this issue. Um, she's good. She's really good at what she does, and uh, uh, it, it shows here. Um, and and this is great because those that are, have to pay flood insurance will now see a savings because of uh, her hard work and, of course, uh, a lot of the projects and, and the flood recovery effort that's, that's spanned all our departments and, and that you all at the council table have, have helped support and, and provide funding for over the
0: years. Good deal. Good work, Julie. All right, anything else on that information packet?
1: IP13, the report from the Human Rights Commission, just wanted to commend them and thank them for uh, their activities in the community from that list. They're they're really um, busy out there and and doing a lot of things uh, to promote uh, the community and its inclusiveness.
0: Moving on, April 12th.
1: IP4. Jeff's uh, article that he shared uh, from the National League of Cities uh, the preemption, it's kind of timely as far as the things that have gone on uh, in our state, uh, but also, I think, goes to show us that we're not alone. It's its happening. It was interesting to see the data and the colored graphs of, of all, our, all around us, all across the country, these things are going on. Um, and on that line, I'd like to thank the the uh, uh, businesses in the community that have continued to honor the Board of Supervisors minimum wage rate. I think our our community stands out as far as that goes, and and can do those kinds of things. Um, but uh, it just uh, it has economic and human rights implications. And uh, but we're not alone, obviously. Oh, along with that, mm-hmm. I was going to mention it later because I'd uh, gone to the. Um, Municipal Leadership Academy, but they talked about uh, celebrating this year 50 years of local control and and home rule. It's a 50-year anniversary of that. So uh, folks can go to the League of Cities uh, website and see they'd like to plan some activities this year and have proclamations made by the cities, which I'm going to send the mayor some information on that so that we can proclaim that.
0: Speaking of home rule, yesterday, Kingsley and I met with visitors (coughs) from... uh, um, the Philippines, mm-hmm. it was a really interesting meeting. There were, I think, nine people, seven of whom were mayors and two of whom were vice governors. Right. Yeah. And one of the things we talked about was home rule, because they, they they were trying to get a, a sense of how the federalist system, federalism system works within the United States and how cities fit into the Constitution, et cetera. And then... That led to some conversation about home rule in the state of Iowa and, you know, preemption, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty fascinating meeting. Uh, I want to bring up something that was in the late handout, I, but I don't. I think this is the appropriate moment to bring it up.
7: Your item that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, there was an April. Uh, there was a story in the Little Village, an article in the Little Village on April the 10th, titled "Governor Reynolds Signs So-Called Sanctuary Cities Bill," which she says was aimed at far-left liberals in Des Moines and Iowa City. Unquote. So I, I alerted Jeff and Eleanor earlier today that I'd like to give uh, give them an opportunity to clarify for us and for the count cal- and for the public. What effects, if any, this new law might have on our policies and practices? So,
3: yeah, yeah I'll, I'll start and Eleanor can can chime in as well. This has certainly been a question that we've been asked uh, quite a bit in the last couple of weeks. A number of media interviews, talked with members of the community that have had questions, too. Um, I think it helps to start back a couple years ago when you considered uh, the the resolution that has been called into question in Des Moines. Um, Important to look at the title of that resolution. That resolution was reaffirming the role of law enforcement reaffirming. With that resolution, you weren't asking the police department to do anything different than they had done for the previous 20, 30 plus years. Um, and it's simply we're not immigration uh, we're not an inf- immigration enforcement arm. We've never been asked to, we're not trained to and we're not empowered to be immigration uh, uh, an integration enforcement agency. Um, so what you did is you said that we are going to maintain a public safety role, uh, with our—with our police department. You also said that we will comply with all federal and state laws. Um, so my message has been, um, you should not see any significant change in our, really any, probably, I don't even need to say significant, significant. you shouldn't see any change in our daily approach to law enforcement. You didn't two years ago when you passed the resolution and you won't with this, uh, change in state law. Um, we will comply with the law. There's some updates to internal policies that we need to do to be compliant. That's specifically stated in the law. By, By January 1st, we have to update some policies. We have to make sure our officers know what SF-481 says. Um, But we're not going to ask them to be immigration enforcement um, officers. Um, so, again, uh, I think the challenging part is is this sets us back with the immigrant community, uh, because now they have an additional layer of fear, additional layer of hesitation, there's an additional layer of uncertainty. It makes the job of those police officers that much harder. Um, we've been trying to build those relationships. I think we've been having some small victories over the years and in, in building trust. There's no doubt. I, I believe this is a setback to that to that effort, but we're going to continue to try to to build that trust and and uh, uh, build those relationships despite SF 481. So I hope that's clear. Um, um, I know Police Chief Matherly is um, uh, feels the, the same way, and uh, that's the, how we're going to be instructing the officers to move forward. I'd ask Eleanor if there's anything regarding compliance with the law that. You think we oh, need to
2: point I think out that's that. Very well said.
5: I have a question and I'll leave my comment for my Twitter account. But um, the question I have is is there any way we can send a statement regarding that um, through our kind of web-based whatever communication channels? Sure. Okay.
6: That's Might we want to. to wait till the legislative session is done.
5: I mean, I don't want to reward, you know, ignorance. I mean, basically, I think they made a, well, I don't want to go into comments. That's why I was <laughs> saving it for my Twitter yeah, Twitter account. Um, I would just wanted.
6: let them get done and out of Des Moines before.
5: Yeah. I, I agree with that. There, 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 uh,
0: the situation calls for some uh, um, subtlety and deafness in trying to figure out how to respond. And I think that's a key
8: part of it. One issue relates to—I know that the county had talked about whether they want to file a legal claim on the basis of the detainers. Our police department has nothing to do with the detainers, is my understanding. Um, The question is, is could we support them in an amicus capacity? Is that something we can decide as a council where we would support the litigation, or do we have any role with that? Because I think they're going to challenge it on the basis of, you're compelling us to detain someone illegally. We could be sued, and that's not a defense for a federal lawsuit. Could we participate with them in the same way that we've helped um, Chicago in their briefing, or what would your response to that be? Sure,
2: yeah. I mean, counties are in a very different situation because of the detainer issue. Um, but depending on what litigation I mean, they bring, and it, there certainly would be the opportunity for amicus participation.
0: Yeah, so we'll have to play that by ear, it seems. See what the text of anything they generate actually says. All right. Any other uh, topics on the uh, April, whatever it was, agenda?
1: IP7. I'd like to thank um, Ben for that article about the hidden crisis. Uh, uh, or, yeah, Gustav. Or, or, oh, Gustav. Gustav, sorry. Let's,
8: let's, <laughs> sorry. Let's not give any credit to Ben. Out. <laughs> yeah. that is Gustav. Not that good out.
1: Yes, Gustav. Uh, it was very informative, and uh, hunger is is just something that people don't like to uh, talk about or even admit, and, and having served um, some of the uh, free meals down at the crisis center, uh, I have to admit, I oftentimes don't think about the student population, and I don't know if, if you have any feel for if it, if it is a, really a problem in this community as well, which, according to the article, it sounds like it probably is, and, and what we could do, is there some way that we can help provide transportation for these students? students that might be able to go down to the crisis center to get some free meals or even the Salvation Army does some dinner meals or what What you think we could do to, to help this?
3: Yeah, we, uh, we have a really um, good food pantry program um, that's in the IMU and they're looking to expand um, to the west side so that way it kind of hit populations. But that's kind of a narrative that student government pushing forward is um, seeing what food accessibility looks like. Um, at the Big Ten level, we're seeing Wisconsin recently made their um, Dining halls, food stamp accessible, SNAP accessible. Um, so, just seeing different ways that we can kind of see this. Because to your point, you know, this is an, a narrative that has been hasn't been talked about. So, uh, we're excited to see you know what we can do on our own campus, but also knowing the intersectionality between campus and city, how can we kind of coordinate those efforts in any way possible? So, good.
0: Good deal. <coughs> any other items on that agenda or that information packet?
7: I, I on the bar check. Um bar check, all right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, IP eight.
7: So when the, was the last time uh, you checked I, the bar, <laughs> say from trees to bar check? <laughs> on my inspections, no, I um <laughs> I, I'm just wondering if we really do do we need this information? I, I'm not sure how is how is it useful to us as a council? Um
8: compliance. I, 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 yeah, well
5: I'm, I mean I guess when we initially had provided we had changed the, we had changed the nature of the information that was previously provided because we wanted to at least show for what is worth some public accountability based on these situations at least that's why i Mm -hmm. wanted it in that sense there isn't much we can do but at least it showed the public for whatever it's worth that this is occurring and that they should be aware and that's about it
1: it does kind of show a pattern. It's the same offenders every time, but it was helpful to me one time because somebody mentioned to me, oh, they, I won't say the name of the bar. But, oh, yeah, they're, they always have underage drinkers, and I showed them the data, and I said, no, they're, they're never on this list. Uh, it's these bars that are the ones that are the same offenders, so it has been helpful information in that okay. respect.
3: We still do use the information on, on uh, um, Paula citations um, to um, determine whether exception certificates to business should be is- issued. So, uh, for example, uh, if you were to pull up this item, you'll see that Bo James uh, has a ratio of 1. That's over the limit, and we have recently notified Bo James that they've lost their exception certificate. That's not their liquor license, uh, but that's the exception to the 21 ordinance rule. So we do use it, uh, mm-hmm. and and uh, the city attorney's office uh, helps track that with the police department. and once once businesses reach a certain threshold, uh, they could lose that. Many of these businesses that you see here don't have an exception certificate. So for some of them, it doesn't mean anything. But there's there's a few, like Bo James, that, that did. Um, The other thing is, it it keeps the issue in front of you, albeit, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you don't see that influencing uh, your policy, you know, even every year, but it keeps it in front of you. It makes it public so that groups like PAS can review it. Uh, Partnership for Alcohol Safety uh, can take a look at it. Um, And the other thing I would say is that um, there's been some discussion. It's just been discussion at this point, but the ABD is considering, alcohol beverage division is considering whether to extend, um, it'd have to be passed at the state house, but whether to propose legislation that would extend more home rule authority to cities on liquor licenses. Um, again, that has not been proposed yet, but they've been having a series of, of public meetings across the state to kind of vet that issue out. And we think that there may be, um, legislation introduced next year that could potentially extend some some. More more home rule authority to us, so we talked about the preemption report. This would be the opposite of that. This would actually be the state granting us more uh, authority over li- local liquor licenses. And if that's the case, this information could be extremely useful. So I yeah,
7: recommend. I wasn't that you can debating the importance of the information; just having it in the information pack sure was my right. question. But um, if you all think it's really valuable, that's that's fine.
0: I don't know that all that detail is required, mm-hmm. uh, at least for our por- uh, for our purposes. It is helpful to know that there typically are something like five bars or whatever that are, are uh, imperfect. <laughs>
6: I mean, I think as long as they're compiling it this way, I, I think it's worth putting in, because sometimes you can see a pretty high percentage, and then you realize, oh, it was only a couple of visits. You know, that's yeah. different than if you got 30 or 40 visits, and you've got a really high percentage. So.
0: All right. I'm going to assume there are no more uh, items to bring up there, but I want to mention something that's not on the list. Uh, 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 the Pending work session topics, I don't recall seeing that in the information packet. So I just want to note that we need to talk about what's going to happen on May 1st.
3: (laughs) Yeah, my apologies for that. Um, uh, We do not have a topic for the next work session agenda. Um... Uh, I can throw out a few possibilities for you. I think we would be ready to uh, have a discussion if you are on the uh, $15 an hour um, wage rate for city employees that's on your um, pending list. We've compiled that information we can run through that uh, with you again and allow you to have that discussion or begin that discussion. And then another item that council has requested uh, should be in the info packet uh, this week, and that's a, um, a memo on participatory budgeting. So looking at our budget process and giving you some examples of how other cities approach budgeting in ways that can um, involve the public to a greater extent that we do now. Simon has worked on that report. And uh, that's uh, that's ready to go, too. So there's, there's two possibilities. Um, if you look at the, I guess the last pending um, list would be on uh, your info packet uh, let's see which one that would be well while I'm looking at that I, I can tell you where that would be but we'll start with those two topics and then if you've got others we can talk about those too
0: alright we can chat a little a little bit more tomorrow about that, I guess, that, uh, when you and Pauline and I meet, but that sounds like a good idea to proceed with.
3: It'd be on the the 3:29, March 29th info packet. Uh, IP4 would be the last one.
0: Okay, moving on. Council updates on assigned boards, commissions, and committees. So maybe we can start with Pauline and move to the left.
1: I don't have anything
6: to report. Uh, just would mention on the steering committee for the Access Center, Jessica Peckover has submitted her resignation. Oh, no. She is headed to take a job in San Antonio. Mm. So it's going (laughs) to be going to be a huge, huge loss for us. Um, At the same time, we have hired a, quote, project manager. Um, Basically, it's a university employee. Uh, The county will be paying for that employee. So somebody who can really kind of look at the nuts and bolts of licensing and facility requirements, especially in light of the state legislation on access centers and how that affects what we want to do here. Um, so that's a real positive. Um, but yeah, we're very much going to miss Jessica.
0: I don't think I've ever met a staff person or anybody else with more energy than <laughs> Jessica has. <Yes>. She's, yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, Good for we're her. We're going to miss her. Yeah,
7: John? Uh, at the most recent Iowa City area development meeting, there were some, I thought, interesting topics. One which was brought up at this, our joint session yesterday, which is the um, the change with the corridor branding, which I think I'm very supportive of. It's the moving away from the creative corridor concept to emphasizing Iowa City and Cedar Rapids, so ICR with the C being in common with both city names. Not to say that the smaller communities won't be part of the, this marketing effort, but the the effort now will focus, which I think is very appropriate, more on the productive places within the region rather than the corridor that connects them Um it's hard to, I, I can't even, what, what does one conjure up as an image when one thinks of the corridor? You know, what, the interstate? I mean, <laughs> um, so I think it's really appropriate to focus that that effort more on Iowa City, the cities that make up the region rather than the creative corridor. And so a lot of material now will be coming out with that focus, which I'm, I'm looking forward. And we've seen previews of it. I think it's pretty interesting. Uh, Another item was the ICAD and the Chamber of Commerce are kind of going through a conversation trying to determine how and in what ways their respective roles could change uh, or at least be as well integrated as, as possible. So I think that's another interesting one to follow
8: and see what comes out of that. That's it. Don't have a ton of information, other than that, we did finish up the City of Literature Conference. And once again, we just want to give rave reviews to John Kenyon, you know, just the logistics of bringing all those people together, putting all those events together. I only had a chance to go to the Old Capitol event. I saw some of you there, and that was very well done. But I think it's just another reason to feel incredibly proud of the community that we live in and the people that make that up, and that those sort of things don't just happen. It's only by sort of that day-to-day work that John does such a good job at that we can celebrate this great literary community that we live in. So once again, kudos to John Kenyon.
0: Yeah for sure. Uh, the the directors of uh, the other cities were re- really raved about the quality of work John has been doing. Uh, so I, I, I think we can see that here at a local scale, but they're talking about the effect that John and our city of literature are having on cities all over the world, you know, at least a, s- a select set of cities all over the world. Just today or yesterday, I, I got emails from a couple of the directors who visited praising uh, the the event itself, and the the way they were received, and the things they had to, had an opportunity to do here, so yeah, it was a big hit. So, and John knows that. I don't have any. Okay, Kingsley. Nope. Well, gosh, I guess that brings it up to me. So, boy, I sound like James Comey. Gosh. Oh. Um, so uh, the uh, convention and visitors bureau, uh, I met with their board on the 22nd of March and in that board meeting the discussion focused on upcoming events, namely the what United World What is it? World Wrestling, wrestling World Kingdom. Cup. Alas, Iran did not come. Russia did not come. And I think Turkey did not come, but the first two are powers in that kind of wrestling, so too bad, but it was a big event, and I had an opportunity to hand out bronze medals to Japanese wrestlers. <laughs> they were so...
6: They were excited to They meet.
0: were excited. Uh, they were really pumped, and, and it was so funny. much fun uh, watching the, the joy in their faces. So at the at the CVB meeting, we also talked about Bri, about the UCI uh, Cyclocross World Cup, which will be in the fall, I guess, and also about construction of the new arena in Coralville and about the CVB staff's ideas about how to implement the CVB's strategic plan, focusing on, first, embracing the river, which is connected to ideas we've shared here. Secondly, building a stronger connection with diverse communities. I was really pleased to see that, that that's something that's emerged within the CVB over the past year or so. Uh, maybe it has deeper roots, I don't know, but definitely over the past year. Thirdly, improving connections among bicycle trails and, and transportation in the corridor. So as a part of that discussion, that part of it, I, I mentioned uh, that uh, our council had instructed me to draft a letter having to do with the widening of I-380. And I I indicated that uh, the instructions were uh, to draft a letter opposing the widening. So Tom Gill was not happy to hear that. There's a surprise. Uh, uh, Chris from up in North Liberty uh, said, well, maybe there's some things we can talk about and work on there. Uh, Mike Carberry was there as well and said something similar. But I bring that up partly because it was discussed during the CVB board but also because we uh, briefly discussed it yesterday in the joint entities meeting. Can I go a little bit more deeply into this, the uh, the I-380 widening? Because, uh, yeah, all right.
2: If it's a report from the CBT. So.
0: Yeah, uh, well, so I think each of you have received a copy of the draft letter, or the letter I drafted. Uh, it's probably a little bit too long. It's very typical of the kind of stuff I write, so I'm sure it can be shortened. But in this joint entities meeting yesterday, I did as I uh, uh, alerted you to uh, alerted you that I would do. I, I indicated to them that I had been asked to draft, instructed to draft this letter that I had drafted one. I didn't know whether to really to use the word oppose the widening, uh, have objections to the widening, or have strong concerns about the widening, et cetera. Uh, And then uh, recalled that one of our uh, ambitions, I didn't use the word strategic plan, but one of our strategic plan's uh, ambitions is to uh, build upon and strengthen our um, collaborative relationships with nearby communities and, and, and governmental entities. So in that spirit, I said, well, maybe we could work together um, uh, to to create a working group and all that. But during that discussion, you remember, I said we have not, our council has not had a chance to to look carefully at the specifics of that draft letter. So I I just wanted for us to be conscious of that. And if there are... um, if there are things you need to tell me about a draft letter or about what we should be, what the, what the end game should be, it, it would be helpful to be clear about that. What I mean by what the end game should be, it, we could just send pretty much the draft letter that I put together, we could send it to the DOT and express our values. What would that get us? We could work with Nearby communities to maybe come up with some collaborative statement that's maybe not fully in accord with our values, but closer to our values than what currently is the case. So we need to have some sense about what what our end game is, what we want to accomplish by with this draft letter and with this conversation that we hope are hopefully able to set up with uh, a working group that we talked about in the joint entities meeting. So I don't know that we want to go through all that in detail right now, but yeah, Uh, it'd be helpful to be thinking about that. So give me some feedback if you can. Okay, that's the only thing I wanted to.
8: When when would we discuss that? Maybe at council time then, at the end of the meeting, or when would you prefer that we give you feedback on that on the letter and what the end game is? What's I don't know, what's an appropriate moment. I'm not sure what
0: the most appropriate moment is. Uh, we could do it, I guess, uh, at the end of our formal meeting, but that doesn't make any sense, does it?
6: I'm a Why little hesitant session? to have you,
2: s- you know, discussing a particular topic that we haven't really given
0: Right, right. About. So we could place it as a work session topic. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your next meeting. Yeah, all right, let's do that. Cool. Okay, anything else? I think the answer is no. Jeff. All right, we're adjourned from our work session.